Specialty Story, session number 222. Whether you are a pre-med or a medical student, you've answered the calling to become a physician. Soon you'll have to start deciding what type of medicine you'll want to practice. This podcast will tell you the stories of specialists from every field to give you the information to make sure you make the most informed decision possible when it comes to choosing your specialty. Welcome to Specialty Stories. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week where I get to have amazing conversations with physicians about their specialty, why they chose it, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, and any words of wisdom for you. Today, we're talking to Dr. Wenqing Chow, a pathologist, a specialist in GI and liver pathology, who's also a fellowship director. We talk about everything about GI and liver pathology to hopefully help you get an understanding of what's out there for you as a specialist. We start the conversation by how Dr. Chow first became interested in pathology and then in GI and liver pathology more specifically. So I, I was an international medical graduate. I graduated in China. Um, like all the you know, medical students here, when I graduated, I, I didn't want to be a pathologist. I chose to be a clinician working with patients. So at that time, I, I chose dermatology. I, became a dermatologist hmm. in China. So I worked there for two years and then I got this opportunity to come to United States mm-hmm. to work in a research lab. Uh, so at that time, um, my lab is working um, on liver tumors. So carcinogenesis of liver and uh, working with animal models and uh, human tissue. So at that time I become interested in uh, histology, pathology. So you see the, the changes, right? When you have an animal, um, they had a genetic mutation and then uh, after a while they develop tumor. So you still saw this kind of molecular changes that driving the carcinogenesis. It's so interesting. Hmm. So that at that time I become interested in pathology. I, I think I, I need to do pathology if I wanted to be helping patients and in the meantime, working, you know, kind of research and lab work. So that's, that's why I become a pathology resident. Um, and during the residency, um, I kind of learning everything about pathology. I wanted to know every aspect of pathology before I make my decision, like which specialty to go into. Um, I, I was fortunate to have uh, several uh, good mentors that helped me, guide me. So one of them is Sam Rao. He, he's a very good GI pathologist. Um, and the other one is uh, Guang Yu Yang. He, also, uh, he is also a very um, a prominent uh, GI pathologist, has a research lab working on pancreatic cancer. So I, I work with them. I, I, I learn uh, clinical pathology with them. And also I do research uh, projects with them. I presented my research project at the ASCAP meeting, which is the uh, largest pathology meeting. Um, I started meeting with the, all the you know, pathologists from all different uh, areas and talking with them. I, I, I loved it. So I think uh, um, I wanted to be a GI pathologist. I wanted to be in an academic setting. Um, so here I am. Uh, I become a GI pathologist. Now it's like 12 years uh, after. It's been a, a long journey. It's it's interesting. Um, 
having trained in another country, done your uh, kind of residency and, and practice in another country under one specialty and then coming to the States, we see mm -hmm. that a lot with, with international medical grads who practice in, in their country uh, before coming here. We have a lot of burnout, and this is a tangent. So, so uh, we have a lot of burnout in this country. I, I wonder if we had a little bit more flexibility with uh, specialties, where a physician can change specialties a little bit easier than going back and doing a full residency. If if maybe there would be less burnout, because as you've seen as as you progress through your career, your interests kind of. Are, are being explored and you find new passions. And uh, do you, I, I just wonder, it's an interesting thought experiment to see if that may help physicians as they're kind of getting burnt out in one specialty. Well, I think uh, as you go to the residency and you, you, you start doing one specialty and you feel like that's, that's too much for me. And I wanted to change that's possible. We had, um, residency doing like surgery first and they they think surgery is too much burden and they feel stressed and they change to pathology um we also have you know residents from pathology that change to other specialty i think it's all depending on how you feel you're comfortable if you are you know interested in the field and you feel comfortable you can continue with that but definitely there's there's uh, that flexibility you can change it to other specialty if you wish. Yeah. What traits do you think lead to someone being a good uh, pathologist or, or, or maybe a little bit more specifically uh, a, a liver pathologist? Um, pathologists in general, I think you need to uh, be attentive to details. You need to find the subtle changes that can tell you it's normal or abnormal. Um, that's in general for all pathologists. Um, for GI pathology, particularly, uh, since we're so busy, I think uh, a good organized person would be uh, more comfortable in this subspecialty because you have to uh, sign out cases, you have to uh, work with residents, you have to attend meetings. So there's a lot of things going on in a certain day, and you have to be really organized to, to get things done and get things properly. So I, I think that's uh, that's something um, uh, for this busy kind of subspecialty, what you need. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is you need to really kind of pay attention to what's new in the field, right? So that's 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 also uh, applied to other pathology specialty. So keep up with uh, what's the new uh, knowledge or what's the new tech technology in the field. That would be very important. Yeah. As a kind of GI and liver pathologist, what sorts of disease processes are you reviewing and seeing and diagnosing? Um, so GI uh, and liver pathologists, it's it's uh, the biggest division of surgical pathology. So mm. we are dealing with everything in your uh, GI tract. So from uh, esophagus to anus, everything in the GI tract, um, uh, the, all the disease, non-neoplastic, neoplastic, cancers, uh, inflammatory disease, um, uh, also uh, liver, uh, neoplastic and non-neoplastic liver disease, transplantation of the liver, and pancreas, um, biliary tree. So uh, all the 
uh, bile duct lesions, gallbladder, uh, stones, gallbladder cancer, uh, and pancreas cancer and, and non-neoplastic process. It's all included in this subspecialty. Yeah. So we are dealing with variety of diseases, uh, a variety of conditions from a benign normal to all the way to cancer. You mentioned earlier uh, how you phrased it was in, in China, you were working uh, with patients as a dermatologist. Uh, there's there's a lot of myths or misconceptions that pathology is the, the, the specialty that never interacts with patients and you work down in the dungeon basement. Um, how much, if any, interaction with patients do you get as a, a liver or, or GI pathologist? Um. Definitely, that I think that's a misconception uh, in the pathology that we, we never work with patients. Uh, it is true we don't directly talk with patients, but our diagnosis is really, really important for the patient care. So all the clinicians are, so we work very close with gastroenterologists, um, surgeons, they rely on pathology diagnosis to treat the patients. So we are part of the team to treat with the patients. And uh, additionally, you know, whenever there's uh, challenging cases, we discuss extensively with clinicians so that, you know, we exchange information, we discuss how the radiology look like, what's, what the potential diagnosis, how we get the pathology tissue, what are the markers we're working with. So uh, although we are not talking with patients directly, we are extensively involving in the patient care from diagnosis to treatment. So every aspect. Yeah. What does a typical day look like for you? Um, so in, in the academic center like here, we have a, a big group of uh, people here. I have 15 uh, pathologists working on GI, liver, and pancreas. Uh, each day we have different services. So depending on the service, you, your day may be a little bit different. Um, we have liver-only service. So in that liver service, you are responsible for uh, all the liver biopsies and resections. Uh, you are on call for transplantation, which sometimes you can get a calls in, in the middle of the night uh, for a stat case, a rush case. They wanted to know if the, the biopsy had, had rejection or any kind of severe infection or any uh, treatable disease. So that, that that's potentially could change your day. Um, but most of the time, we're signing out cases, we're on conferences, right, and then teaching. So my day usually starts with a morning conference, like 8 o'clock to 9. There's a, a multidisciplinary uh, clinical conference uh, involving all the subspecialties. We discuss uh, patient presentation, uh, what the pathology, what the radiology, and what the, what the treatment plans for individual patients. So that's really kind of personalized uh, uh, plans for the patient. And then after that, I will start to review my cases. Um, if I have a resin with me, I will review with the resin uh, teaching on site. We have like a multi-head scope here. Uh, so we sit together, we look at the case together, we discuss what's the, what's the uh, pathology in each case and what's the diagnosis differential. So that's the teaching part. And then during the day, we have uh, several other meetings, sometimes uh, departmental uh, QA meeting. Uh, sometimes it's the um, uh, grand runs that we uh, invite outside speakers talking about pathology or some kind of research. Um, and we have our daily consensus conference. So we have a consensus conference at two o'clock 
and every GI pathologist will sit together. Uh, we are going to show our challenging cases so that we reach a consensus diagnosis. And then after that, we continue with sign out until we finish our cases. So that's kind of our, our days goes. Yeah. You, you mentioned the multi-head scope and, and uh, something that COVID has kind of changed is the world of, of telemedicine. And I've spoken to a couple pathologists um, since COVID has started for this podcast. And it seems like telepathology is a very interesting specialty because slides can be scanned and reviewed remotely. Is that something for liver uh, and, and GI? Is that something that there's a potential for remote work? Uh, COVID has definitely changed a lot of our, our practicing. Um, currently, our conferences, like consensus conference, more, it's, it's all um, on the WebEx. So it's like you and me, we show cases online. So that's something that has changed since COVID. In terms of like uh, scanning slides and uh, working remotely, um, I think that's coming. Uh, it's it's not um, FDA approved. It's not um, uh, in our daily practice. But uh, digital pathology, AI, telepathology uh, is all coming. Uh, you know, I think it's going to change uh, in a couple of years. Uh, we have to adapt to that kind of changes. Yeah, it's very interesting. What does call look like for you? Um, the calls, um, we are on 24-7 if we are on liver uh, service. So when you're on liver, you're on call all the time. Um, but that's kind of, we have five people kind of alternate. So you are doing two-week call maybe every five weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we also on um, general search path call. So uh, our general surgical pathology call, it's, it's like the whole team of surgical pathologists, they share the calls. So those are the ones uh, we cover frozen after hours, after 5 p.m. to the next day, 8 a.m. That, that's the time we're on call. Um, we have two to three weeks per year, so it's it's not that frequent, um, and it's not that busy either. So you get maybe one or two frozens after five o'clock, and and after that it's it's just nothing. Um, that's that's our cause. So it's it's not bad. I think pathology in general, uh, we we don't have to stay in the hospital long. Our hours are relatively flexible. So like when you sign out the case, as long as you, you finish the case within a certain time, it, it doesn't matter you come in the morning to do your case or you stay late, uh, finish your case. Um, so hours are pretty flexible and cause it, it, it's there, but it's not like overwhelming. Yeah. Some, some pathology specialties have a little bit more interaction with patients when doing biopsies and stuff. Is there that sort of ability to do procedures with patients as a, a GI and liver pathologist? Uh, no, unfortunately, we don't, we don't do procedures. I, I think when you talk about pathology working with patients, they are mostly the cytopathologists. Mm -hmm. They do FNAs and on-site kind of evaluation. So they can uh, have a little bit of interaction but for most uh, surgical pathologists, including GI and the liver pathologists, we don't uh, have that uh, interaction with patients directly. Yeah, interesting. 
Do you feel like you have enough time for life outside of the hospital? Um, I think I'm fine, <laughs> but my son uh, actually he said no, you don't have enough time. <laughs> How old's your <laughs> he son? He wants me to stay home more often. Yes, yeah. How old is he? Um, he is 13 years now. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think um, weekends we usually can stay, um, you know, with families. Um, weekdays we are kind of busy with our cases. Um, uh, with you know signing out and teaching and and try to do some research in, especially in the academic centers and the collaboration so there are a lot of things going on but I try to uh, do things where, where I'm in office and and try not to bring everything home um, but occasionally since I you know I'm the director of the service I have to make schedules I have to answer some of the phone calls I have to uh, uh, reply with the clin clinical kind of questions and requests. So that's that's where I have to do a little bit of thing at home, um, you know, with with my patient. Um. So, what's the your your training path again? A little circuitous to to become a pathologist, but in general, if someone were to were to train in the U.S., four years of medical school. And then mm -hmm. what's what's next to to become you? So um, after medical school, um, go to a pathology residency. You you can choose uh, AP only, anatomic pathology only. That's going to be three years, or APCP combined. That's anatomic and clinical pathology. Um, most residents choose APCP. It just give you more flexibility. You can work in. Uh, private settings because you have to be called for the clinical side and um, and then you learn a, a little more about that. So most people choose APCP, but AP only is okay. Mm -hmm. So after a three or four years pathology residency, and then you can either direct go into a GI and, and liver fellowship, um, or you can do a year of Search pass general search pass fellowship and then do a GI and liver pathologist fellowship. So, as short as four years, you can become a GI liver pathologist, or five or six years, depending on how you choose your pathway. How competitive is it to to apply for for those fellowships? I would say um, GI and liver is probably the most competitive fellowship in the search pass. Um, in 2008, when I uh, applied for GI liver pathology fellowship, there were 20 fellowships out there. So it's very, very competitive at that time. But now we have 50. Still, you know, in the academic centers like large programs, it, it is very competitive to, uh, to get into. Um, for example, every year um, uh, I'm the program director for the fellowship. I would receive around 20 applicants applications for one spot. So one year we have one spot, uh, 20 people apply. So mm -hmm. it's it's relatively competitive uh, in this uh, subspecialty. So that's why when we look at the applications, we we look for what what kind of training you are doing, uh, which program you're doing your pathology training. Uh, do you have any experience in the GI and liver kind of pathology? Either it's a, a, a conference uh, experience or you did some research studies like showing your interest uh, in this field. 
Um, and uh, you know how how is the recommendation letter from your program? Mm. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. Do you think uh, with step one going past fail, you'll see a big difference, or because you're a little bit more removed as as a fellowship, that it's it's less of an issue? Um, we do look at the step one and step two, uh, just because we want to make sure you are uh, you know a fast learner, you are uh, uh, good at learning. Um, I think uh, you know pathology is is kind of um, difficult because we have all this different specialty. You have to learn everything during the pathology resident, um, and the, in the fellowship, um, like I said, it's it's a very busy kind of fellowship. You do our fellows need to do uh, clinical work, signing out cases. They need to present in the uh, clinical conferences, and they need they need to teach the resident and they can uh, do research projects. So there's a lot of uh, knowledge and a lot of uh, kind of uh, work they need to do uh, in the fellowship. So we do uh, look at uh, their scores, if, if they have a, you know, relatively, not particularly very high, but you know, kind of in the middle or above middle uh, kind of scores, uh, that would be um, a more you know, important for us. Yeah. What uh, once someone is kind of at the the GI liver pathology level, are there further opportunities to subspecialize, or is someone kind of done learning, but they can go find their interests and and learn on their own? That's an interesting question. Yeah, before I think we're done. Uh, you know, once you go to a subspecialty, you 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 are you're working with subspecialty, right? Um, I think the things are changing. Uh, we have become more uh, subspecialized, even in the GI and liver subspecialty, right? There's a focus. There's people, uh, special interest in uh, esophagus, like Barrett esophagus. It's a precursor for adenocarcinoma. There are more uh, a focus of interest in pancreas and, and liver. So I, I feel like it's, uh, you know, it, when you have a GI liver pathology fellowship, it's good. You can, you can sign out every cases. But in the future, it's probably more uh, a need that you have to choose a special interest area. For example, we have all the conference of, you know, now we have esophageal disease uh, conference. We have rectal cancer conference. We have pancreatic cancer conference. We have uh, neuroendocrine tumor conference. So you, you can see how it becomes more subspecialized in individual disease kind of level, which is hard because you, you, you don't want just, just knowing one thing and, and, you know, ignore the other things. Um, but I think it's become more demanding in the clinical side that they need more people uh, be interested, special interest in a, in a smaller area uh, to, to work uh, with the team. What do you wish the the physicians that are sending slides and 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 specimens to you for analysis? What do you wish they knew about what you're doing to help you do your job and and to make a better diagnosis? Oh, that's that's a great question. Um, I wish them, uh, you know, to provide me important information, clinical history what's the patient had before, what's the radiology, what's the endoscopy finding, because we are not working in the box, right? So we, we need those information to help us to reach the diagnosis more, um, more quickly and more 
um, accurate. So clinical information is really, really important. Um, uh, and then uh, there are a lot of time we try to uh, sign out the cases quickly as possible. So our turnaround time for the biopsies, is, the target is 48 hours. For the resections, it's four days. So that's, that's a very fast turnaround time. But occasionally, case got delayed. Uh, they become complicated. We have to take more sections. We have to do more studies. So those cases can be a little bit delayed. So I, I wish they understand that there are cases that um, it's not that straightforward. It, it takes time to, uh, to work it out. Um, we want to give them diagnosis fast, but we also want to give them the right diagnosis. Um, so I think I, that sometimes the clinicians, they, they ask, um, where is my report? It's been four days. I wanted my report. So that, that kind of demanding uh, give us a little bit of pressure. Yeah. Oh, everyone's under a time crunch. Um, yeah. It, it, so again, a, a typical question I don't ask, but it's, it's interesting from a, the pathology world, uh, your your kind of judgment and diagnosis can have huge ramifications for a patient if you're diagnosing cancer or, or something bad. With the, the new kind of policy here in the U.S. for having open notes and, and having the patient have access to a, a report that you just published, but the, the, the doctor who requested it hasn't seen it yet and they're seeing it. What do you think about that? Yes, that happens. I think uh, recently uh, our reports, uh, you know, once we sign out a case, the patient immediately can see the report. Mm -hmm. That definitely um, can cause issues because if the clinician didn't see the report and patients see it first, right, and they come to the physicians and ask uh, why you didn't tell me. Um, so um, so for that, uh, we try to, if it, if it's diagnosis is not like, um, malignant diagnosis or very challenging kind of diagnosis, difficult to understand the uh, situations. We try not to sign out the case until we talk with the clinicians. So we uh, talk with the clinician first and tell them what's what's going on in, in this patient's biopsy. And then we find out our report. I think that's that's kind of the one way we kind of alert our clinicians what's going on so they, they get prepared. And then, uh, you know, when the case signed out, but the patient saw the reports, they, they can have their conversation like how to deal with the, those kind of diagnosis. That might be the best way to approach at this point. Yeah, interesting. What do you know now that you wish you knew before going into GI and liver pathology? Well, I think um, molecular pathology, definitely. Um, the time uh, when I was chosen GI and the liver, the molecular pathology just started. And it's, it's, it's all about hematopathology. So not much about solid tumor, not much about GI. Nowadays, it's all biomarkers. It's all uh, molecular pathologies, you know, sequencing and everything. So you, if this is something I, yeah, I wish I knew, I, I wish I you know, had more exposure to molecular over the time. What do you like the most about your specialty? I think um, a GI in the liver um, pathologist, uh, we are dealing with a variety of cases. We are 
handling a lot of cases. So we're helping a lot of uh, patients um, with the diagnosis. So I, I feel good about it. And then uh, working with a group of you know experts in different fields, that's really, really good. So we have those conferences. We have you know experts from all uh, specialties and discuss individual cases and uh, what's the best approach, what you know how to uh, treat the patients either before resection or after resection. Those kind of uh, you know approach is, is really, really um, uh, good. Uh, feeling like pathology now is, is part of the treating team, right? We are working with all the uh, specialties uh, to help patients. I think I, I feel really good about it. What do you like the least? Um, specifically for GI and liver, I think our case volume can be a little bit uh, overwhelming. Hmm. Uh, that's, I think it's, just going to get worse because uh, the 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 new guideline for screening colonoscopy, right? It uh, the patient age used to be fifty, now it's forty five. Uh, so more cases is coming to GI, and uh, we're dealing more um, you know complicated cases. Um, so that sometimes can give us a little bit of pressure, and and clinicians asking for a turnaround time and asking for the uh, the results. Um, so I wish we have more pathologists. <laughs> I wish more, uh, you know, uh, medical students there would choose pathology and choose GI in the liver so that we can work together. Yeah. If you had to do it all over again, would you still be a liver and GI pathologist? Yes, I think I still choose liver. I, I'm very happy with, with uh, what I am now uh, in the clinical, you know, large academic center. I can see all different type of cases um, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, challenging uh, cases and work, work with a, a group of people um, and do, do research and helping a resident fellow so that they can grow. And, you know, I, I saw the, the mentor play a very important role for me to, to grow from a resident to a, a pathologist. I, I also try to help them uh, if I can uh, when they are rotated with us and when they are asking um, for advice. Uh, so I will help them to, uh, to achieve their goals. Are there any major changes coming to the field of, of GI and liver pathology that people should be aware of that may either make them more excited about going into the field or maybe make them scared? I, I know uh, one of the common kind of misconceptions is that uh, AI is going to replace all pathologists, right? We're going to have um, smart enough AI to, to diagnose everything with a computer, I love technology and I'm a huge, uh, huge believer in it, but I don't think we're going to be there for a long time. What What is out there that, that may change the field? Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, AI and, and a digital pathology, definitely is, it's, it's coming. It's going to integrate in our uh, daily services, um, but I don't think they're going to replace pathology. And I, I think uh, the way we're looking at it, it's probably... Uh, it's a tool to help us to to do a better service, so so that they can they, they can help us, you know, identify the areas, uh, or you know, um, if something is missing, um, they can uh, be helpful. 
but I, I, I agree with you. It, it, it's not going to happen, you know, in the next couple of years. It probably still take a very long time um, uh, to to be able to, you know, and I don't think it's going to replace the pathologist. What final words of wisdom do you have for someone thinking about liver and GI pathology as their future career? Well, I think GI and the liver, it's definitely, uh, it's it's a subspecialty that uh, easy to find a job because every place they need GI and liver pathologists. Almost all hospitals there, half of the cases um, is, is going to be GI and liver. So this is a subspecialty. Uh, you don't have to worry about uh, jobs. And then, uh, you know, if you are thinking going into pathology and going to uh, uh, GI and liver, uh, I think a, a very a good way is to, to rotate with us, to see what's going on in our daily life, what are the, uh, the things we are, we're, we're working on. Um, and uh, if, if you have time, do some projects that can help you understand more like what the pathology is doing, uh, what, why the research part, it's important, uh, you know, in the pathologist, uh, uh, in the academic place. Uh, so that uh, you can understand more uh, what's what's pathology, what's GI and liver pathology about, and go from there. So I think uh, a lot. I had that experience. There, you know, people guide me, and I I learned. I, I become interested. I think uh, that's that's a a way that people uh, get involved, and then they can uh, really get interested in the field. All right, there you have it. Again, Dr. Wenqing Chow, a program and fellowship director at NYU, who's been out of training now for 11 years, talking about her journey and her specialty to hopefully help you get an understanding of what is out there. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on Specialty Stories. This is MedEd Media.